I don't know how long ago it was that you were in math class. Uh, for some of you, maybe it's been longer than, than others. Uh, but I don't remember, I don't know if you remember these sheets that you would have to do. I remember that we did. Uh, there were these fact sheets. Um, and what they would do is they would time you. There's a, a, a picture of it uh, here. You guys remember these? Uh, man, I would, I'd have my pencil ready and they would set the timer. And man, it was just, you would just, you just memorize them, right? You just went as fast as you possibly could. And they got longer and harder. And everybody, you guys remember these? I don't know if you know this, but math has changed, right? Math has changed. Um, 10 plus 10 just doesn't, it's not easy. It just doesn't equal 20. I don't know if you've had kids who have gone through school. Uh, it looks different and it feels different. And there's reasons for that. And so now you might have something like this. Right, so uh, add 26 and 17 by breaking apart numbers to make a 10. Use a number that adds with 6 and 26 to make 10. Since 6 plus 4 equals 10, use 4. I uh, think 17 equals 4 plus 3. Right, there's just this, this formula to get to the same number. Right, and for, uh, for many of us who did math differently, this seems really weird. Right, I have to admit, this is a little more how my mind thinks. Right, to be able to break things apart and, and to know some things. And, and here's, I just listened to a, a teacher talk about this, and they want kids to get the right answer, right? They still want the same outcome, but they want kids to know the why, right? They want to know the how. Why does it equal that? How can you get to that equation? But it seems complicated. It just seems like for some reason we've added to it, right? It was just easier when we could just memorize it, right? I knew the answer. I could write it down. I could finish it in my two minutes and I was good to go. But I may not have ever really understood why. Uh, we're going to be in this series. We're going to look at the book of Galatians for a while and, and kind of using this math equation, this Jesus plus nothing, because I think what's happened is we've taken the gospel, and I'm going to talk about that and explain that in a moment, the good news of Jesus. We've taken that, and really what's happened is sometimes we overcomplicate it. That it really might be simpler than we, when we even imagine. That we have to kind of get back to the, the basis. But in just like Common Core and how things have changed, let's begin to understand the why. But let's begin to understand how this has an impact in our in our lives. So we're going to dive in. We're going to attempt to figure out what the, the core message of Jesus was. We're, we're going to try and understand what the gospel is and the impact it has on our lives. Uh, I'm going to read uh, the, the part we're going to talk about today in Galatians, and then I'm going to give some history and some explanation, and then we'll take a deeper look. If you don't own a Bible, there should be a red hardback Bible around you somewhere. Please take that. That's our gift to you. If you own a physical Bible, I would encourage you in a series like this to maybe bring it. Uh, to highlight in it, make notes, because as you go back, maybe it will be helpful to see it later. Uh, if you use a, a Bible app, version, you can actually highlight and make notes in that as well. Uh, I would encourage you to do that as we go through this series together. So I'm going to read to you Galatians 1, 1 through 9. There's a page number on there. That would be for that red hardback Bible. Galatians 1, starting in verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel which is really no gospel at all. 
Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preached to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. So let's do a little work before we dive into what we just read. Um, It says there at the very beginning, Paul. Uh, This is extremely important, and I say this a lot, but I I want you to understand the weight of this. Uh, This is a real guy writing a real letter to a real group of followers of Jesus. This isn't just something made up. This isn't just a story that we like to read. Uh, This is a real guy who had a real story, and his story was tremendous. That the story that he was doing unimaginable things to the first followers of Jesus. Uh, Paul was not necessarily a great guy. He thought he was doing a good thing, that he was defending the religion he believed in, but he was hurting those. He was persecuting those who were following Jesus. In Acts 9, uh, 1 through 2, it says this, Meanwhile, Saul, so Paul's name was Saul until he begins to follow Jesus. Says, Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. This this is so important that you have this guy named Paul who says, I need to know everyone who is converting to the way, to Jesus's way. I, I need to know because I am going to go and get them. It doesn't matter if they're a man. It doesn't matter if they're a woman. It doesn't matter if they're older or younger. I am going to get them and we are going to imprison them because they are following Jesus. People lost their lives probably at the hands of Paul. He was a devout Jew. He had this very strong religious background. He believed strongly that Jesus was not who he said he was and he wanted to keep anyone who believed that from following Jesus. He wanted to take out anybody who was doing that. So think of those being persecuted right now. In our current world, think of the Middle East, those who follow Jesus, who are losing their lives. And and the way you think about those people who are doing it, as we think about Syria and so much going on in that place right now, but we, we hear of these Christians who are being beheaded and losing their lives. This was Paul. This was Paul. This is now a guy who writes the Bible that we read. This is the guy who's writing the letter we're going to Look at, but something happens. Jesus encounters Paul, and in a moment, his life is completely changed and transformed. Where he was once killing Christians, he's now a Christian. He's now a follower of the way. He's helping other people begin to follow Jesus. People would hear Paul was coming, and they would be afraid that Paul was coming. Like they kind of questioned, has Paul's life really changed? But Paul then plants these churches. He starts churches all over and he would visit them and he would write them and he would encourage them and he would challenge them. This is the guy that we're going to listen to for the next several weeks. And so just let me say this. I don't know what you think you've done in your life that makes it so impossible for God's grace to be available to you, but I'm just wondering if it was as bad as Paul. Like, do you really think that you're at a place where God's grace is not available? Because we see here in the story of Paul's life that you're never out of reach of, of God's grace, ever. 
And so we see Paul's life is completely changed and renewed, and he does these things where he plants churches and he writes these letters. He's going to talk about the gospel. Now, the gospel is this word that's thrown around a lot. Maybe you've heard uh, the, the word gospel. It literally means good news. The good news that God so loved his people, that God so loved the world that he would provide a way for people to be reconciled or put back in right relationship with God. The gospel is about God's unmerited unmerited favor, his unmerited grace, his undeserved grace through Jesus' life, his death, and resurrection, that we can be forgiven. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Now, this is how it works its way out in our own lives. So when, when we're born, when we grow up, and even when we're older, we like to sit on our own throne. We like to be the rulers. We like to be the one who says what our lives are going to look like. We, we want what we want. And if I know you as I know myself, we're often slaves to our own desires. We're slaves to the things that we want. We pursue our own comfort and we pursue the stuff that often becomes our God. We, we're looking for purpose. We're looking for satisfaction. And, and often, as we just heard Kristen talk about, all that stuff all the things that we think will satisfy and, and bring us purpose often just ends up in a garage sale. And we realize the things that we're longing for, the things that we want, the things that we eventually get our hands on and we think will make us happy, leave us feeling empty. And so what happens is when we begin to believe the gospel and those things often lead us to shame and regret, they, they, they lead to guilt, they, they lead to the loss of relationship. And so in the midst of all of that, there's this good news. This good news that in the midst of all of that, we allow God to take authority of our life, that we now seek to please him and not ourselves, that we understand that we are forgiven people, that we are loved people. And when this happens, it leads to a life of grace, of mercy, of freedom, right? And the good news of this is it's available to everyone. Like, like literally, it is available to everyone everywhere, no, no matter social class, no matter race, no matter culture, uh, it doesn't matter what religion you've grown up in, whether it was no religion at all, it, it doesn't matter. A, a lot of things in our world are based on where you are born and zip code, and this isn't, this is not at all. This is available to all of us. It is an invitation to a different way of doing life. We see that with Paul. Paul is invited into a new way of life, and this is for all people. Uh, Prince Harry uh, is getting married. I don't know if you know this, if you follow this. Uh, Prince Harry is getting uh, married soon. And uh, they, I just heard they have invited 2,600 regular people uh, to, their, uh, to their wedding. And I thought, that's incredible. So people who run nonprofits and people who participate in good in the, the community, they're getting these invitations to the wedding. But there's a catch. They're being invited to see them show up in a carriage. They're being invited just to see the party arrive, but they don't get to participate. They, they will show up as a wedding party and they will walk into uh, the kingdom. They will walk into the chapel. They will walk into a church where they get to participate. But these 26 people who get an invitation, it's not really an invitation. Honestly, it's kind of a reminder that you, you really can't be in. And so the gospel doesn't do that. The, the gospel doesn't trick us. It doesn't change. It says, you're welcome to come. This is the good news that everyone is invited. 
And so we see right here that Paul is writing this to a group of people that are extremely diverse. Uh, they're diverse in social class. We'll see that as we go through this. Uh, but more importantly, they're diverse in culture, right? He's writing to a group of Jews and Gentiles. Uh, the Jews are the people who begin to follow Jesus first, but then the good news of the gospel begins to spread to everyone, and it spreads to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, and they begin to follow Jesus. And so as Paul writes this letter, he's going to explain that this is the gospel, but it's being perverted. It's being distorted. And we're going to see as we go through this letter that, that Paul is going to say, look, the, the truth of the gospel uh, impacts and influences every area of your life. That it's not kind of just a one-time thing. So as we think about the gospel, we often think about it in terms of those people who don't know, right? The gospel is for them. But, but Paul is writing to Christians about the gospel because the gospel is a part of our everyday life. The gospel influences and impacts and changes how we live. Tim Keller, a pastor up in uh, the New York area, he says this, the gospel is the A to Z of the Christian life. It is not only the way to enter the kingdom, it is the way to live as part of the kingdom. It is the way Christ transforms people. It is the way Christ transforms churches and communities. The gospel is important. It's not just important as we first begin to follow Jesus, but it is important for the rest of our lives. So the good news of God is that it changes our lives, and it is about Jesus. It is Jesus plus nothing. We, we don't get to add to it. So we can begin to pervert or change the gospel message. We can make it more difficult to understand, to live out, for others to follow. All right, so let's just jump right back in and look. Let's break this down. And so we'll go kind of slowly through this. Galatians 1, 1, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers with me. Paul just right here at the beginning says, look, this is who's writing it to you. I'm not alone. This is not my message. That this is not a message that some other man gave to me. This is the message of Jesus. I haven't come up with this on my own. This message is not about Paul. And so I started thinking about that as someone who preaches the gospel, who, who teaches often. I, I pray often that it will never be about me. As you begin to spread the gospel and tell other people about Jesus, it's not about you. He uses us and he uses our stories, our testimony of what God is doing. He uses us. But look, it is not about me. It's not, you will not see my face on a billboard as you drive down Shackleford, right? One, I'm too cheap for that. But, uh, but two, it's not about me, right? People come into this place because of Jesus, right? And so from the very beginning, Paul says, look, I'm writing it to you, but it's not about me. It's not about my message or a message someone else gave me. This is a message of Jesus. It says to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. He always kind of gives this greeting of, of peace and mercy to the listeners to the churches he's writing to. But pretty quickly he says, look, let me remind you uh, that you are sinful, right? Paul, right in the beginning, let's just, let's just remember uh, you're sinful and I'm sinful. Uh, let's just remember that we've gone against what God wants for us. We know God's plan and we choose to go a different direction. 
See, sin is something we purposefully do. We, we choose to go against what God has for us. And we all have fallen short of what he wants. And Paul is, is just reminding them, look, this is where we have to begin, right? Let's just even the playing field. We're, we're all at the same place together. But he says, look, let's remember the one who has rescued us, has rescued us from our, our sins and from the present evil age. Paul's saying, look, there is absolutely nothing. There is no sin too great that can keep you from the love of God, that can keep you from his grace. He doesn't list sins and say, here's the sins that God has rescued you from. It is, it is all sins, even the ones that no one else knows about. The ones that have happened that you have tucked away and you think no one can ever find this out. Those two. As we see Paul and his story and his life, Paul may have thought, man, there is no way. There is no way, but we see the God. There's nothing that can keep God from loving us, from rescuing us, from saving us. And when he says from this present evil age, it doesn't mean like current politics. It doesn't mean Republican or Democrat. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean culture or media. What Paul is saying is the evil one, the enemy of God, that he has rescued us from the enemy. And so here's what I think is important for us to understand. If we believe in God and we believe that God is all good, we, we believe there is this enemy of that. And I believe that that enemy would want nothing more than for you to not understand the grace of God. He would love nothing more for you to get off track from knowing who God is. And I think that happens in very subtle ways. Very subtle ways. Uh, Paul also wrote to a group of Christians in Rome uh, and says this in Romans one twenty five. It says, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than creator who is forever praised. So it's when we turn to something else that, that we have created or has been created for us and we think that our fulfillment and our purpose and our satisfaction comes from those things. That is a very subtle way that the enemy deters us from following Jesus. Right? This could be any substance to medicate, to numb us from life. This could be a person who we elevate and we make that person our God, that we think they can satisfy us, they can give us everything that we need. It's trinkets and toys, as I talked about. It's this idea that I'll have to always find another one. I'll always have to find the next one or the new one, and we'll always be disappointed. So Paul's saying, look, he's rescued you from that. The good news of the gospel is that you don't have to continually try and find something that will satisfy and give you purpose to your life and the deepest longings of your heart. That is the good news of the gospel, that God has done that. Now, uh, Paul changes his tone pretty quickly. And he wants everyone to know the even playing field of, of sin. But then very quickly, he, he's going to, to say some pretty strong words. Galatians 1 verse 6, he says, I am astonished. I'm bewildered or I'm amazed. I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. This word pervert, to distort, to change the reality of the good news. And Paul is saying, look, I can't believe it has happened so quickly. So quickly, you, you knew the good news, you, you knew the gospel, but so quickly you are turning to a different 
gospel. And that you haven't just deserted a message. I mean, listen to this. Paul's not saying, look, you have gone against the church. You have gone against the message of the gospel. You are deserting him. You have forgot about Jesus. And that Jesus is the one who has brought the good news. Without Jesus, there is no good news. And you have deserted him so quickly. You have forgotten what he has done on your behalf. And they're exchanging this grace of Jesus for something else. And what Paul says is a different gospel, but really is no gospel at all. And he says, look, I know there's some people who are doing this to you. I know there's some people who are coming in and they're saying Jesus plus something. They're, they're adding to the message. They have changed it. And what's happening is you have these Jewish people, these Judaizers, and they're coming into these churches in Galatia and they're specifically coming to the Gentiles. And they're coming to them and they're saying, look, look, I know you've heard about Jesus. I know you've heard of the good news about Jesus and this free gift of grace. That's great, but you really need to become Jews first. So Jesus is great, but if you're a male, you, you also now need to be circumcised. And that's a difficult message to preach to uh, grown, grown men. But, but they're coming in and they're saying, look, grace is not enough. Jesus isn't enough. It's Jesus plus this. And then they would say, look, you have to now also follow the dietary laws of Jewish culture and the festivals. They begin to add all of this stuff to the message of Jesus. And what happens is anytime we add anything to the message of Jesus, we pervert the gospel. We change the meaning of the good news of Jesus because what happens is Jesus isn't enough. But what if we could actually believe that Jesus really is enough? That it's Jesus plus nothing. Now, this still happens today. The gospel is still being perverted or distorted today. And here are two ways I think that happens. Uh, the first one is legalism, and the second one is lawlessness. And, and here's what I mean by that. Uh, the first one, like the Jews, we, have to think, we begin to think that we have to add something to the good news of Jesus. Like at one point, we probably believed in grace, and maybe this is new to some of you. You're going to hear about the gospel for the first time, that this good news of God's grace is available to you, and that is enough. And maybe you heard that at some point, but then you begin to think, man, is that really enough? Like, it just seems too good to be true, doesn't it? Like, it just seems too easy. I, I get too many phone calls. Um, I don't recognize the number, but because of my position, I, I feel like I have to answer it, and so I answer it. And on the other line of, uh, on, on the phone is a recording, right? And it wants to tell me about the trip that I've won. Anybody else get these and you answer these? And, and, and the thing is, there's always a catch, Right? They want to tell me about my seven nights in Aruba that I'm going to get. And, and, and I've made the mistake of making that phone call. And, and they want to tell me, yes, this is what you get, and this is everything uh, that's going to come with it. But there's always a but, right? There's always a, a catch. Here's what you have to do. You just have to add something to it. You just have to pay a little bit. You just have to sit in a six-hour meeting until 30 people know you don't want to buy a timeshare, right? And once you've done that, you, you get whatever is free and coming to you. It feels like there's always a catch. And so we hear about the good news of Jesus and we think, that's great, but what else do I got to do? What else do I need to do? And so what happens is we begin to add on a bunch of religious activities. And the religious activities we add are not so that we can grow in our relationship with Jesus always. Sometimes we add because we think, man, this will be what pleases God. This is what will earn God's love, right? And so 
coming on Sundays. I'm so thankful that you're here, but, but this is a time to be encouraged, to sit with others who are pursuing Jesus, who are trying to figure out what it means to follow Jesus, to be equipped and to be sent out. But, but sometimes it's just a box that we check, right? It's Sunday, it's 1045, it's where I'm at. And so we check that, and, and then what happens? For some of you, when you miss, right? Some of you know how many Sundays you've missed in the last 10 years. And that's okay. You, uh, look, the, the, the scriptures are very clear. Don't, don't give up meeting together, right? I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't be here, but what I'm saying is if we begin to determine God's love for us based on our religious activities, then we've just added Jesus plus something, right? When, when we pray, that should be about connecting with God, not just checking a box. When we read scripture, it shouldn't be just, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. So no, it's about learning and growing. It's about connecting to to God, when we volunteer, when we give money to the church, or when we're generous with our lives, all of these things help us draw near to God. So this is what it often looks like. We, we use shapes, and some of you have seen these before, right? And so just really quickly, this is a very uh, good tool, I believe, to, to show this, right? So if we have this triangle, we have father, and we have identity and obedience, we believe God is a good father, right? It's clear in the scriptures that God is a good, good father, so what happens is, if you go to the next slide, what often happens is we base our identity as sons or daughters of the king or of this good father, base, we base it on our obedience. So if I obey, then God loves me. If I check all the boxes and I don't do certain things, then I find my identity as a son or a daughter of the king. And so then when we don't, when we fail, when we mess up, we then begin to question, does God really love me? What do I, what do I need to do this week? What, what do I need to add to Jesus to make sure I'm back in good standings? But what if we, what if we just flip the direction that we go? Right? And we just say, all right, man, my identity is secure as a follower of Jesus that I'm deeply loved. Deeply loved. And those moments that I obey, he is a good father who loves me and may discipline me. And there might be consequences to my choices, but my love is not in question. God's love for me is not determined by my obedience. And so what happens is I, I realize that I'm the, the son of a, a good father. And then I say, well, I want to obey my good father. I want to obey because he has what's, what's best for me. But we pervert it. Just like Paul is coming and saying, look, someone has added to it. We, we add to it. Some point, somewhere, maybe you were in a church setting and you felt like you had to add to Jesus. You don't have to add to Jesus. It's Jesus plus Nothing. And so my real fear is that we're going to spend our lives never really knowing Jesus. We'll just know a lot about Jesus. I won't, I won't tell too many stories, but I had the wonderful opportunity to go to the master's. Uh, last week, I had some friends who, who took me, and so I don't want to boast uh, about that. I'm being serious. Um, I, I could not have done it without my friends who, who took me. Um, but we went on the practice round on Wednesday, and, and one of my goals was I wanted to see Tiger. I'm a big golf fan. I just want to be near Tiger. I want to I just be around him. I want to see him swing a golf club, right? And so we hear that he's practicing. We make our way over there, and he's gone. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is going to probably be my only chance to ever do this. I'm not going to see Tiger. And so we go to walk the course again in the front nine, and you just felt this buzz. You, people start coming from all over the course, and we hear that Tiger is going to begin to, 
start a practice round. And so he's on the first tee box and we go to the number one green and we're like, we're going to get to see Tiger come in. These people have no idea that Tiger is, is coming this way. We get in the best point where Tiger's going to walk by us and, and we're standing there and I see Tiger in the fairway and, and Tiger swings and hits. And then next thing we hear is four. Now, if you don't know much about golf, that means cover yourself because uh, the, the shot is not good. And so we hear four and literally this ball, not just a ball, but Tiger's ball, comes flying right over our head and lands about five yards from us. Yeah. And so, you know, if you've ever seen a golf, we go and we stand like around the golf ball and we're, we're ready for, for Tiger to come in. And Tiger comes in and he looks at us. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. And I'm like, whoa, I just got an apology from Tiger Woods, right? Mark this down. This is one of the greatest moments of my, not really a greatest moment, but it was a good, it was a good moment. And so Tiger, Tiger comes and, and I am literally, I, I, could, I could reach right? Dap, hand, uh, high five. Like, I'm, I'm by Tiger. And I know so much about Tiger, probably too much about Tiger, right? That he started at two and at, at the age 12, he broke 70, which most golfers will never do in their life. And, and he did at the age of 12. And I know the amount of, of money he's made and golf tournaments he's won. I know too much about golf. But if you were to go to Tiger today and said, hey, I heard you were with Kyle last week. Be like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. No, 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 he, he said he was, he was with you, you hit it over the green, he went back in and hit it, and you guys high-fived, and, but Tiger's like, I have, n- I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Tiger doesn't know me. Yeah. I know a lot about him. I'm not in a relationship with him. It's not impacting my life. My fear is that's how we'll begin to view Jesus. I just know a lot about him. I kind of know what he wants me to do, but man, we have gotten away from the good news of the gospel, that it is Jesus and him alone that changes our lives and gives us purpose. And so then on the other side of that, what we do is we think, oh, this is incredible news. The fact that Jesus will forgive me, that God will forgive me for anything that I've done, great. I'll just do whatever I want, right? And so we have the legalistic side to it where we're gonna have to add to it. And when we don't, We question if God loves us. But then on the other side of it is we live in this lawlessness idea that, well, I'll just do whatever I want. And we've lost the idea that the gospel transforms us, that the gospel is more than just fire insurance. It's not just Jesus has me and I'll do whatever I want, right? And so what what often leads to this is we think only about heaven. We think only about heaven. We think only about checking a ticket, right? And we think God has saved me and when I die, I'm okay. But there's so much more to it. As we're gonna see as Paul goes through this, that the gospel transforms every area of our lives. And so we understand that there's discipline and there's expectations as we follow the, the gospel. And so we, we can't earn it. We can't be good enough. Bob Goff, who if you don't read... Um, Um, much, I would encourage you to read a book called uh, Love Does by Bob Goff, G-O-F-F. He has another book called um, uh, Always Forever, I think is what it's called. Uh, But but it's Bob Goff. It's about to, to come out. But he says this. He says, our worst day isn't bad enough. And our best day isn't good enough. We're invited because we're loved, not because we've earned it. Right, so that's the good news of the gospel is that you can never be good enough to earn it, that you can never be bad enough where it's not available to us. And in understanding this, Bob Goff says 
if you could understand the gospel, if we can understand that it is Jesus and Jesus alone that changes our lives, if we really begin to believe that, then the way we treat others changes. The way we see others change. And he says that the greatest way to love others as Jesus is to be immensely patient with people. To be immensely patient with people. I just wondered, what if followers of Jesus lived out the truth of the gospel that those people who we often want to divide ourselves from are a lot like us? Right, that, that those people who we think maybe are far gone, that are living a life that they shouldn't live, what if we just could begin to be immensely patient with people? What if we just lived out the gospel and we loved people? And that we just trusted that God would change people. That it's not our responsibility to condemn or to judge or to even change anyone. But that when we understand the gospel and what it has done for us, then the natural response is to just be immensely patient with people to truly love one another. Paul, 1 Timothy, 1.16 says this, starting in verse 15, I'm sorry. It won't be on the screen. Um, just get thought, of, thought, thought of this this morning. It says, uh, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm the worst. This is Paul talking about himself. He says, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive, receive eternal life. If Jesus is immensely patient with people, we should as well. When we actually believe the gospel and what it has done to our life and we don't add anything to it, we don't take anything away, well, then we're just patient with people. We love people exactly where they are at and we want the best for them. <clears throat> so I hope that we'll care, first of all, just about how the gospel is changing us. And then we'll care about how, once the gospel has changed us, how we live that out with one another. So we don't want to add to Jesus for ourselves, but we also don't want to add to Jesus for anybody else. And I've talked about this over and over. We don't want to add anything to those who want to know who Jesus is. We should be eliminating every barrier possible because it is Jesus plus nothing. I'll wrap up. Galatians 1, 8 and 9. He just says in a very strong way. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. It wasn't good enough one time, as we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Paul is saying this is serious. This is serious. It is Jesus plus nothing. The good news of the gospel is that it is about Jesus and what he has done on our behalf and the free gift that we have to get to accept it. That you don't have to be good enough, you don't have to add to it, but the grace is a free gift to you. So just real quickly, three questions. Do you believe grace is available to you? Would you put yourself in a place like Paul and say, man, I just don't know. Uh, let me get my life together. Let me kind of get things in order. Maybe then, no, no, no. Available now. All of God's grace available to you now. If today is a day that you believe that, then, then just tell God that. Just tell God that you're thankful for grace and that it's Jesus and Jesus alone and that you accept that for your own life. 
And then the question for, for many of us who have maybe been around a church, the church a little longer is, have you been adding to the gospel? Have you been wondering when things don't go well if it's based on what you've done or not done? How many times does someone get sick or you're sick or things don't go right or you don't get the job and you begin to wonder, all right, God, did I not do something right? Did I not pray hard enough? Do I not have enough faith? And so again, we begin to add to it. Have you been doing that? If so, let's get back to the gospel that God's love is available to you now and that is enough. Or on the other end, has it just become fire insurance? At some point, you made a decision and you know you're good with God. And so you kind of just do whatever you want and you haven't understood that the gospel changes every area of your life. It changes relationships and our choices, not to earn God's love, but to understand who this good father and that it changes everything. Greg's gonna come up and and close us with this last song. I hope that you'll come back. Uh, We, I'm learning, for many of us, we don't really read the Bible regularly. We don't always understand uh, what, what God is saying to us. And so sometimes we preach and we've done this on conflict. We just talk about the kingdom and what that looks like. Uh, we might talk about money and stuff, but, but sometimes we just need to get back right to the Bible, read through it with one another and, and kind of understand what God is saying to us. And so maybe you just want to kind of read through Galatians over the next couple of weeks. Maybe you don't read the Bible regularly. Again, maybe you don't own a Bible, take that Bible. And maybe you just want to start to read Galatians that you would begin to say, all right, God, what do you want to say to me through this? And then he might even ask you to do something with it, that maybe it would change you completely. Well, we're going to sing a song. Would you pray, uh, stand and pray with me? And we'll close uh, with this. Father, I'm so thankful for the gospel. I'm thankful, God, that that it's Jesus that has saved me, uh, that has put me in right standing uh, with you, Father. Would you help me to, to get rid of anything that I'm adding to it? God, would you help me when I try and earn your love? Would you remind me that I'm deeply loved by you? And then would you help me when I kind of make that grace cheap? When I do just kind of what I want, God, and just know that you'll forgive me. Would you help give me strength and courage to, to fight against those things? And Lord, would you help each one of us to begin to understand that the gospel, the good news, totally changes us? It allows us to pursue justice to love mercy, to be humble before you, Lord, to understand that this life is not just simply about us. Would you help us to love you and to love one another? God, thank you for each person who has walked into this building today. I pray that they know they're deeply loved by you and that maybe today is a day they begin to understand and to accept the gospel for themselves. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.